When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to A Little Bit Dusty. All sorting yards from the outback and the bush. Grab a hot or cold one and enjoy the conversation ahead. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of A Little Bit Dusty. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host Tyson Godden and we're back with part two of my chat with Bushy here. And I've got a few more questions and a few more things to talk about because uh, last episode we didn't get to. Uh, there's a lot of stuff involved with you know how the bush and the environments have been treated so we're going to dive into that a little bit further. So, Bushy, from the last chat, I think from memory, we're talking about how much more practical it is for someone to have the hours and the experience and, you know, being in the thick of the environment and understanding how it works. I would most definitely be getting my information of someone like that rather than someone who has done a degree and is wearing a suit, is on a six-figure salary and pretty much bought their way into uh, a position where they can try and dictate or tell other people about the environment. What kind of, during some of these treks and these places that you've gone to, what kind of challenges have you come across and have there been any, been kind of any close calls or scary moments or clashes with people within your uh, your work you've been doing? Is that what you mean in respect to uh, just getting shirt fronted by uh, people from the fringe? Yeah, either, either that or um, has there been any other kind of like just scary calls like, you know, within your uh, tracks or you know, when you've gone out to the bush or a property and it's kind of been like close to kind of danger calls or whatever? Like as in uh, firefighters getting held up on uh, fire trails that haven't been maintained for decades. Yeah, there you go, prime example. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you speak to any firefighter uh, who's been uh, responding to campaign fires or just any fire for that matter, uh, going down a, a locked a National Park fire trail that hasn't been maintained for anything from years to decades that have come across fallen trees, across tracks, washed out uh, trails. Uh, the stories are endless like that. You look at the past Royal Commission, 2003 Bushfires Royal Commission, look at the 20, 2019, 2020 Bushfire Royal Commission. Uh, you've got many, many instances of fire, firefighters being held back by unmanaged fire trails and having to come across weird obstacles on fire trails which are supposed to be clear having to turn around or finding very little ability to be able to turn around on a fire trail you know it's endless endless yes so that that occurs uh quite quite a lot far out that would, that would almost seem impossible to turn a whole fire truck around especially if it's only one direction or have there any been any times where you've had to find an alternate route like just on the fly because you have to get to wherever the location yeah. is no matter what yeah man it must be quite an yeah, obstacle people uh people yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of um, volunteers that you speak to that have had very similar experiences. You have a lot of volunteers that I also speak to that have 
said that um, the most recent example I can give, and this is the example I'll be giving um, to a park ranger, is we had control of the fire. We knew what to do. We were in the right time, right place, right conditions, and we were told not to do anything and not touch it. And the fire exploded and went completely out of our containment uh, after we were told to knock off and not do anything about it. These are stories that you hear from many volunteers that have been out in the field during the campaign fires in particular, and they've been dictated to by the bureaucrats or, or the incident controllers by uh, National Parks and Wildlife Service uh, who, um, who would knock off at 10 p.m. once their shift was over. Um, disclaimer, in my years, uh, both as in a private capacity as back to the bush and as a volunteer firefighter, I've come across many great rangers and firefighters from the New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service. Uh, however, uh, however, and great, great people. There's so many, so many great people um, in the service. But unfortunately, you do have the bureaucracy, the very heavy-handed bureaucracy. You also have very power-trippy, hungry, um, you know, leaders in the, you know, the hierarchy that uh, think they know what they're doing, won't listen to anyone, will dictate volunteers on what to do and what they can't do, and will take uh, and a minute over their um, their shift, they'll knock off uh, while volunteers are still out there risking their life That's for the community ridiculous. and for the environment. As well. Especially if they're out there, you yeah, know, still on shift and just standing there with all the tools required because they don't have the permission to do what they're supposed to do. Fuck that. It's really starting to piss me off. That's that's insane. You can re- no, you can refer to my report in the Royal Commission, particularly when I uh, spoke about how the Gospers Mega Fire spread to a five hundred fifty thousand hectare fire, the single largest mega fire in the history of New South Wales, uh, recent history. Of course, fires used to burn far greater areas before um, before uh, the arrival of the first fleet. Yeah. Um, as we discussed in the previous video, but it, the Gospers mega fire was one example of earlier on the beginning of the season, while um, the brown stuff was hitting the fan up in the northern part of the state, and we knew those prevailing weather patterns will be flowing down to the central coast of New South Wales and the Blue Mountains. The National Parks and Wildlife Service allowed Gospers mega fire uh, to, to turn into a mega fire from what was initially a lightning strike on Gospers Mountain or near Gospers Mountain that was burning about the size of a football field. However, uh, their uh, reasoning for allowing that fire to burn was for ecological pur- purposes, full well knowing that the prevailing weather patterns that were occurring in the north, homes being lost, properties being lost, yeah. absolute catastrophic fire conditions in the north, were going to shift south in two weeks' time, all full well knowing that. Uh, they didn't allow jurisdictional control. They, didn't, they had jurisdictional control. They didn't allow... I guess volunteers in that local area, spoken to volunteers from that local area who said that we were not permitted or could not access uh, or did not have any requests to attend to the start of the Gospels Mega Fire. And, you know, our New South Wales, uh, sorry, uh, New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service will throw anything and everything out to try and substantiate why they allowed certain things to occur, uh, covering their own backs. Um, blame the weather, blame climate change, blame whatever, everything else but, but them, them, their processes, their yeah. management practices. Um, yeah, rem- it was in a remote area, couldn't be accessed. Um, look, 
the graziers and the local RFS in that area that I've spoken to, members, captains, deputy captains, quite senior people, quite and generational uh, graziers as well. Yeah. So they used to go into the Wallamai National Park on horseback, drop a match on the ground and allow the bush to cleanse, cleanse, cleansing burn allowed for the bush to occur. They said the Wallamai National Park or that part of the Wallamai National Park has not seen crown fire. Well, it did when Gosper's mega fire started. And that's again, there's a decade of mismanagement and neglect yeah. that has occurred in that national park. Uh, those cool burns not, uh, not being done uh, very as, as regular as they should be being done. And, um, and also the graziers, the original, gra- the, 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 the old, old, you know, generational graziers and the local RFS uh, then being, you know, imposed with, Red tape, green tape, what do you want to call it? Um, and and really restricting the um, ability for the uh, for that national park to be burnt more regularly. And I wouldn't even obviously need don't need to mention this, but of course uh, is the local indigenous parts of the Wiradjuri come come through there. They should be doing it. They should be doing it every with the RFS. It's a no-brainer. Two years, yeah. every four years, you know, whatever the window of the opportunity might be. There shouldn't be all these environmental management plans you know that's the planning is good all this red tape and green tape is there for a reason but it's getting to a stage where it's it's actually narrowing the opportunity to be able to do these burns because of how much bureaucratic red tape there is now um you know you talk to people in the blue mountains only 20 30 years ago you know oldies in the brigades would say we didn't even need to obtain we didn't even need to go through all this hierarchy to, to tick boxes and, mm. and, uh, and and do hazard reduction burns. We used to be able to do hazard reductions as a matter of our training, you know, our local yeah, brigade right. training. We don't do a hazard reduction burn as a, as a, 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 you know, as a local brigade training. Now, mm. there's a plethora of issues now as to why there's all this planning and red and bureaucratic take goes into the processes. There's a whole plethora of reasons why this 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 is occurring and you know, for good for good reason as well. But it's just it's at a point where the bureaucracy is too heavy-handed. The National Parks runs their own show. It's a process of box ticking. Um, again, there are great rangers that run uh, run through there. They, 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 they look after the park through their local area, uh, and they will not admit it to me directly, but from body language and, and, and tones of, of the voice, uh, the voice that they sort of, portray to me that the bureaucracy won't even listen to them, that they are not given the autonomy uh, and discretion that they would like in their local area. So there's a lot of great rangers that have spoken out to me. Okay. And unfortunately I can't name names or reference because I, 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 yeah, no, I'm enough. not, I'm not in that. Uh, yeah. I'm not in the yeah. business of potentially getting people in trouble. Uh, and a segue to that uh, once again, as I did in my previous video, all the opinions uh, expressed uh, in this video with you are the opinions of myself uh, and back to the bush. That's it. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, you're going to make these disclaimers, but um, I'm sure that if everyone's tuned in from the last episode, they'll know that this, this ball is still rolling. Um, I was going to ask a couple of questions previously, but you kind of answered them, you, you know, kind of as you went along. Um, you know, if people used to be able to do controlled burns for training and if Indigenous people were able to uh, lead or um, you know, navigate those other controlled burns. I was going to ask, you know, is that are they not able to because of the restrictions and the bureaucracies? But it sounds like yeah, that all is in hand, 
in this one ball amongst any other big heaps of different strings of complications. So, um, yeah, what a shame, especially very heartbreaking for the volunteer firefighters if they're out there wanting to give it a go because I'm not a volunteer firefighter myself, but I can imagine there'd be a lot of um, adrenaline, excitement, duty of care, you know, nervousness, like, you know, fear, all sorts of things come into play. And if you're working that hard towards experience to have it taken away from you because, you know, someone in an office has finished their shift and is controlling who can be there and who can't, that's um, that's just rubbish. It's only one way to put it. It's just bloody rubbish. Yeah. Look, all of this uh, is evidenced uh, in countless reports and witness statements through all the Royal Commissions that we've had with, through the years. Unfortunately, it's still the same. Nothing's changed. I've, uh, you know, I've written in my report to the Royal Commission of similar instances occurring like this where you have a parks, I don't know what he was, a field officer or a ranger or even a, I think he was a, I think he was a heavy-handed bureaucrat because a ranger would not be as silly as this to tell a um, RFS bulldozer contractor to put all the big rocks, boulders and sticks back where he found them after he bulldozes a line or a, clears a, a fire trail that hasn't been maintained like for decades oh through the national while we have a bushfire raging towards us and we need to put in a line and a backburn against it. So there are instances, there are just dozens, if not hundreds of these instances that have been reported through all the Royal Commissions by volunteers, by property owners, um, you know, by, by even bureaucrats, rangers, a whole host of credible, reputable uh, witnesses uh, to what was transpiring in, in you know, 2003 bushfires, 2019 um, bushfires, all these different disasters. Far out. But nothing, uh, nothing, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Well, when everyone is still in these because, roles, uh, board. The, the bureaucrats are all about saving their backsides. Um, you know, when they face a uh, when they face a royal commission, uh, they they are essentially uh, protecting their backside um, against all the criticism, negative experiences that every person has witnessed through this disaster. And there's they're expressing, you know, they're they're just being disenfranchised. They're expressing their frustration on to to the way the systems run. The the bureaucrats have to run for the hills and start uh, looking after their backs. They'll scratch each other's backs. And as I said, they'll blame other things as to why the process has failed. And once again, cherry-picking science, uh, politically-driven science uh, is becoming the norm, particularly when it comes to the science of land management. It's unfortunate. Now, there's a level of virtue signalling going on now in an hypocrisy. Yeah by few scientists aligned with parks or CSIRO that are su suddenly uh, indigenous cultural burning just suddenly is, is the way to go about it. Um, you know, but just suddenly, but, but, you know, this, this should have been done from decades ago. This, this, this yeah. process yeah. of cool burn that decades ago as well, which the, yeah, that the indigenous have been practicing for tens of thousands of years. Uh, suddenly it sets an important part of uh, fire regimes and, and the ecology of the forests. And, oh, you know, um, you know, we have to, you know, again, virtue signalling and all this is not, but still there's no action. I mean, yesterday I was at Evans Crown Reserve and there's an acknowledgement of country on the National Park placard. And it says the 
local uh, Indigenous participate in this in the activities of this park through song and dance and stories. I didn't see anything written on the placard which says man, uh, management of the land. Has yeah, the most important. The placard is put right in front of a uh, area of bush that hasn't seen bushfires for 10 years. It's full of weeds. It's full of undergrowth, thick, oh, dense So it's not kept, oh, okay. The ecology is choking. It's suffering. It needs to breathe. And um, here, I'll show you an idea. I've got the video. Country. The community continues to care for their country through ceremony, art, song, and dance. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Alex. The community, if national parks allowed it to, would be burning this bush, which has not seen fire or any hazard reduction in a decade or so. This is disgusting. And I bet you they do not allow the community to come here and conduct cultural burns on a very regular basis. You raised some very good important points in that video. They might, they might, they might book the uh, community in to come and do a hazard reduction burn. They might organise a local RFS in, in, you know, with with the with the community to to plan a hazard reduction burn there. But of course, uh, a whiff of wind from the left field that doesn't um, that that thinks that suddenly, uh, um, sorry, I said the whiff, a little whiff of wind or something, just a little bit of mist, they'll can the burn because it's too dangerous. Why oh, is right. it too dangerous? No, no, but why is it too dangerous? Because it, has, mm. it hasn't been done in a decade or more. That makes it more dangerous. Or even, it hasn't been done periodically. So, yes, it is dangerous. I've been to hazard reduction burns, and, again, this is witnessed in many statements through the Royal Commissions, where we put fire to the ground when conditions are calm, when it's optimal for burning, and the fire will crown. The fire hazard reduction burn should not really be crowning. For it to crown, it means there is so much heat and so much fuel mm. down on the ground that the fire progresses into the canopy of the forest. And this is what I mean now by the narrowing of windows. The former commissioner of RFS said this. He said the windows are narrowing. And they're narrowing. He's alluded to the fact that it was climate change was the reason why the windows are narrowing. Now, yeah. if it is climate change, then we should be increasing the frequency of how often we do the burns on a more wide yeah. scale. Let's Not scale. too many people want to hear that. <laughs> but, but, but you know, if, if so facto, notwithstanding the fact that there is climate change, the period at which we should be burning is should be far more frequent than what is currently being done. And those windows will narrow because of the amount of fuel load and undergrowth and regrowth that is choking the ecology. And so, yes, bureaucrats are too scared to let fire on the ground because if that fire goes out of control, if it goes into the canopy and starts killing trees and scorching the bush, who gets the blame? The planners of the burn, which are, of course, bureaucrats. So yeah. no one wants Everything to be to accountable. Back. So I guess everything... That every, the discussion I've had so far with you can be summarized by one word, and that is accountability and oh, most fear definitely. of being made accountable. So this is the uh, violent circle in which we're stuck in at the moment, and it is very difficult for me to look at that patch of bush, bush that I showed you, Everence Crown Reserve, and I'll be yep. raising with, with the ranger as well because it's quite concerning. Yeah. I would look at the patch of that bush there and say, if I had an opportunity on a very nice day to do a burn there. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Will I myself make the decision to do the burn, uh, regardless whether it's the RFS or the Indigenous community there who's doing the burn, but would I make the call to do the burn? And I'm actually having to step back and think about whether I would make that call. I'd rather someone else mm. make it because the ecology is in such disarray, uh, whether well, that's the word to use, but it, it is, is in such peril, the ecology... Yep. That if you put fire to the ground there, even on a reasonably calm day, and you, you know you get a bit of instability in the weather, and a bit, a bit of wind comes in and pushes that fire and intensifies the heat of that fire because of the amount of fuel load um, in there uh, and, and the fire crowns and goes out of control, or even if it doesn't go out of control, even if it's contained, but the fire crowns and destroys the forest through there, the developing woodland through there. I'll get the blame. I authorized it. I said everything was fine. The fuel loads were a lot. We had to do something about the fuel loads, but that's a bit of a, a double-edged sword. Do we burn it? Do we not burn it? What do we do? Yeah. Far out. So I don't blame bureaucrats for hesitating, for putting all this red tape and all these processes and everything, because at the end of the day, someone has to be accountable. And that's so that's so crazy though. It's like a catch-22 because through yeah, decades of neglect, we're now at this situation where any fuel load in any place to do any hazard reduction burn, well, mostly by the sounds of it, is just too dangerous to just, you know, keep it going, keep those, you know, burning cycles kind of as they are or, if, you know, more frequent or whatever, which means that you guys and everyone in the RFS and firefighters, everyone that's associated can't do their job. And so then if you want to point it all back to someone, it's to the people who weren't doing these controlled burns decades ago and they have to protect themselves so nothing gets done. As you said, what a violent yeah. circle. 
Yeah, uh, again, this is in my report. But I'll just show you an example in Gippsland, Victoria, where a hazard reduction burn the prior year actually saved not only the forest, uh, saved the environment, but basically stopped the fire. It's quite starkingly uh, oh, yeah. obvious. You yeah. see the crown damage, complete scorching. The fire yep. met the edge of a hazard, a, a, a hazard reduction burn that was done the prior year and basically stopped it dead in its tracks. There it's is so that. much evidence out there that supports more frequent hazard reduction burns on a much larger scale, yet we are still still in the same um, way of doing things that we've been in the last decade or two. And that's, you know, you just can't argue against that visual evidence. A scientist mm, with yeah. 150 yeah. hours of full time will go, no, 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 we can't do that. It'll kill this frog. It'll kill this invertebrate. Oh, I can't do it because of this and that, climate change, that, this. That. But these are the people dictating policy at the moment, and yeah. they just keep and getting it wrong, left. and they're not being yeah. held accountable. So that's yeah. the other thing about our accountability. People are getting it wrong. Scientists are getting it wrong. Oh, the science, the science, the science. I'm sorry, you're getting it wrong. You mm. you, you, you are getting it wrong, but they're not and being it's only held those scientists that are supported as well. I can imagine a lot of it would be rejected, supporting the same logical views as you as well. There are so many scientists, even PhDs, professors, you know, that I agree. Well, I am supporting their view, their hypothesis on this entire sort of land management issue. Yep. But they're the kind of people that get booted out of the CSIRO that mainstream media will not voice. Yep. Um, they're the kind of people that have gone into hiding. There are so many scientists that have gone into hiding. What a shame because of the alternate views to land management, which has become mainstream and the CSIRO and then and, and the national parks affiliated ecologists and scientists as well. Uh, they're the only ones. It, 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 they utter the word climate change. The mainstream media is onto them straight away. Again, oh, yeah. there is climate change. I'm not denying climate change, but if there's climate change occurring, we should be doing more to adjust to the changing climate. Adapting and adjusting, yeah. Adapting and adjusting to the changing climate. Um, but that said, we haven't even been doing what was naturally occurring for millions of years. We are, we are, um, we are essentially allowing the bush to regenerate, to continue to go, uh, to continue to, uh, I can't even call it evolve because it's a toxic ecology. Mm. You can't use the word evolution to describe it because the ecology of these forests get to a stage where evolution, you know, they say uh, with evolution, it's the survival of the fittest. These forests will die from being choked from overgrowth at, or, or then, then copying scorching fire. These forests will die. Yeah, and then you have other invasive, invasive plants and species and introduced species then come in and take over the landscape, which we've seen time and time again across vast expanses of the Great Dividing Range. Yeah, um, it's like what you said in the first video as well. A lot of people will go into a national park or a you know bushland or a wetland, and say, "Oh, this is all nice and green, and you know it's not burnt anymore. It looks nice and healthy." When really it could be all clogged up with all these other different plants and yeah. branches, things that yeah. are in there. And it's not until yeah. you've explained in this video people last time. Yeah, people who don't know what they're looking at will go, yeah. "Oh, look at all this regrowth. Oh, this looks healthy. Oh, it's nice and green." Mm, mm. But you know, it, it probably is not. Again, you you should. You should be able to walk through vast expanses of Australia's uh, woodlands 
uh, without getting hit in the face with um, shrubbage. Uh, yeah. You should be able to walk. Absolutely. You should be able to walk through wood, woodland environments. Now, uh, as I said, the woodland environments are almost non-existent anymore. That's all been chopped down since uh, since 1788. Um, and the environmental destruction that's occurred over the years of forestry and logging as well has absolutely decimated our landscape. Now everything's, as I said in the last video, regrowth forest. But this regrowth forest is the permanent shift and change in ecology, which is not being managed. Yeah. You know, you know, there are certain areas of national parks. If I was a park ranger, if I was an indigenous ranger for that matter as well, I'd be walking through that national park and selectively logging, chopping down trees to create a woodland environment, to terraform a woodland environment because we've allowed that regrowth to sprout out mm. and it's too dense. And every time a bushfire goes through there, every successive fire, it continues to divert the, natural, uh, the, the, the process of regrowth and regeneration away from the natural order that's been in place in Australia for hundreds of thousands of years and millions of years. What do I know? I'm not a scientist, right? What like do we I said before, though, you've done you know, that many hours in these environments. Um, that's why I love watching all your stuff that you post on Instagram, uh, like the, the report you've got going on at the moment. Um, you will more than happily call people out on their faults of decisions of you know how they think the environment should be managed. We've learned a, I've learned a lot from two conversations we've had as well, and I really do hope there are more people like you within the uh, I suppose the firefighting environment community because you know the passion and the I suppose um, you just got yeah just the passion, just the willingness to actually just you know educate people and care for the places you go to and make and to, your main thing as you always say is to make sure that people can freely explore parts of our country, you know, with ease and making sure that every environment that they, you know, travel through is, you know, is looked after and has all been uh, well kept. And it's by the sounds of it, it's not that hard to do. But from something I've picked up from this conversation majorly is, um, yeah, looking at bushland and kind of thinking, well, you know, how is it breathing or is it is it is a clogged, you know, full of crap? I didn't really um, have that perspective before. It's been, um, yeah, it's been really interesting. What does um what does back to the bush look like for you in the future, mate? Probably like two years, five years. Have you got a bit of an idea of where you want to take this? I already get people. I've had like more than half a dozen people randomly messaging me, asking me whether they could help me by giving me donations. Now, I'm not quite at the charity status yet. I can't take tax. I can't you know take donations and and give a tax deductible receipt yet. Uh, that is a little bit of time. I've got the structure and everything ready. I've got board members. Um, I've got proudly we've got the Indigenous Treaty Council on the border back to the bush, uh, represented I did by that Alex. Congratulations. Yeah. So, you know, Alex sees how Alex has been out with me multiple times. He's seen how I interact with country. He's seen how I interact with the bush. Alex has, you know, would would throw comments like, "You're one of us." With the way I interact and transcend and get into the frequency of the environment and and um, able to pick and detect things uh, that, you know, no white fella would be able to, I'm not white, I'm actually a coloured immigrant to this country, FYI, but that, you know, but any, any, um, any, any non-Indigenous person would normally not be able to pick. And I've gained their respect and, and I hope to continue to be able to prove myself as a genuine and passionate person for the environment, for the bush, for preserving the, you know, being able to connect spiritually to the land. So uh, having him on board and, and, and engaging the Indigenous community uh, from, a, from a, 
grassroots level um, from from getting strike teams of volunteers out to Indigenous communities to help them with whatever it is that they need assistance with. That's that's kind of where I want to grow it. Um, but I do have to continue doing my day job to self-fund myself. And I don't know. I don't know where Back to the Bush will be in two years' time. Some people from the fringe might come out and try and shut me down and who knows, might go to, might, might, if I haven't had a, if I don't have a support, um, if I don't have the support and backing and full mobilisation of the masses behind me, it would be very easy for the fringe to come around and just just snatch me uh, off the radar and, and shut mm. me down. I mean, there's been many, many tries and attempts for that to occur. I'm sure there have been. I uh, I am protected by the good spirits um, that that you know preside over us, and I hope that I can continue to go from strength to strength uh, with the support of of the masses, the many, and 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 Alex at the Treaty Council who 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 trusts me and I trust him, um, and it's really about really putting that Indigenous voice back out, particularly with land management, assisting the Indigenous communities on the ground. And not virtue signaling, you know, not 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 ticking boxes, not 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 no none of that hypocrisy. Um, as you probably noticed in my posts, anything I don't acknowledge. And there's no acknowledgement of country. There's none of that virtue signaling that occurs. There's none of that keyboard warrior stuff that goes on about indigenous communities. Very important you know, point. I, I respect I respect the indigenous custodians of the land, the true owners of this land, the original people. Um, but I don't need to keep talking about i don't need to keep putting it out there i don't need to keep putting this virtuous uh and, and that's Thank all you. It is. not too many people say that virtuous yeah. Yeah. um uh hype out when i am taking action on a grassroots right. it's about yeah. action and it's not about words um yes, Absolutely. It, yes you know acknowledgement of country acknowledgement of indigenous issues keyboard worrying about it is is a nice thing is a good thing to have for people to see that there are uh, uh, issues out there that need to be addressed, but then doing nothing about it it's the worst is, part. I think, yeah. the worst part. And I'm out there on the ground trying to do something about it, and that's why I'm working closely with the Treaty Council on that one. Very good. Well, you're building community. You've got my vote. I hope to see more of you in the future and catch up with you in person as well. Bushy, this has been fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, mate. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.